I'm so excited to be here with all of you. Um, I believe that God has given me a word to share with you about peace. And I'm really excited and I'm really passionate about this, this, this a topic of peace because I believe it is, it's very transformational to our daily lives. It's very practical, so I'm excited, enthusiastic about this word tonight. I wanna to start off uh, in Galatians 5, 23. We're in a series right now, The Fruits of the Spirit, so I'm just gonna start off with this first. This is where we're at. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. They're called the fruits of the Spirit, which means they're not our fruits, they're God's fruits. They're not our characteristics, they're God's characteristics. I want to give you a, a definition. This is my personal definition of the fruits of the Spirit. They are the characteristics of God expressed through Holy Spirit as we, we respond to him. So they're the characteristics of God expressed through Holy Spirit as we respond to the Holy Spirit. Those fruits are expressed in us. And the events in our world, I just want to share something with you. I, I was talking, I was praying this, um, this morning, this afternoon, about what, God, what, you know, what's the message that you want to share with these people tonight? And what I, it was very simple. What I, what I felt he, he told me was that <laughs> he's not worried. Um, he's very peaceful. He's not stressed out. He's not up in heaven <laughs> scratching his head or pulling his hair out or like this, going, oh, what's, he's not. He's very peaceful. And I think in our culture, especially right now, with Facebook and Twitter and social media and the news and YouTube and all these things that we're getting bombarded with all the stuff that we think America is the only place in the world. But as I'm talking to one of my friends who's from Nigeria, who says it's just literally like living hell right now. And we're so worried about the election and, and, and this and that, and the world's gonna end if so-and-so gets in, into the office. And God's saying, man, I'm, I'm really peaceful right now. I'm not, I'm not worried about, about that. What I'm more worried about is how we individually, how each individual Christian Christ follower is responding to all the crap that, that our media is feeding us. How are we responding to that? Are we responding in peace or are we responding in, in worry? I know it's a heavy word right away, so I'm, I promise you we're going to lighten up here soon. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a quick definition of, of, of peace uh, before we get rolling here. So peace is quiet, still, composed, content, and gr a grateful attitude which grants, get this, a clear perspective towards any situation. So peace is not a feeling. Peace is a perspective in which we see things through. And so God actually wants, God is offering us this peace. Peace. 
or this perspective that we can live through. So can you throw that picture up? So I want to introduce you to my, uh, so before we get going, we're going to, I'm going to be sharing about peace and I'm going to share about my nephews here. And then I'm going to share about, um, police officers and Michigan, Michigan state football game coming up and you know, all that good stuff, but it's all going to be connected to peace. I promise. So these are my nephews here. Um, the one on the right, his name is Richard. He's four or just about four. And Andy, the one who's crying, he's two. And this was at our wedding. We tried to take a picture, but Andy started crying. So I started crying. And then Abby started laughing. Turned out to be a great picture. So these are my nephews. And my, my wife and I, Abby, we were taking them. It was their birthdays. Their birthdays about a month apart. So we were taking them to Chuck E. Cheese. So we have them in the back seat. And Andy is... Um, He's two, so he's talking, and, and as you know, when, when you're listening to kids who aren't your kids, you, it's impossible to understand them. So he's in the back seat, he's like, and I'm like, what? What, Andy, what was that? I'm like, Andy, I'm sorry, I can't. And Richard says, no, he's saying, are we going to Grammy's house? I said, how in the world did you hear that, Richard? And so we found out this pattern that, that whenever Andy said something that we didn't understand, Richard knew exactly what he was saying. So later on the night, Andy would say, it's almost like I'm like, oh, we're just like speaking in tongues right now. I have no idea what he is saying. And then we'd say, instead of asking Andy, we just asked Richard, Richard, what did he say? And you tell us, and then it happened again. Andy, speaking, speaking. And then Richard, oh, this is what he said. And, I, and I'm, trying to, I'm going to make a connection here. Because there's these voices that we hear in our culture. And, and the title of my message tonight is, is Be Still, the Voice of Peace. So the question that this whole message is going to revolve around is, which voice are we listening to? There's two voices that we're going to talk about, the voice of reasoning and the voice of peace. The voice of the world, the voice of the wisdom of man, and the voice of peace, or the voice of God. So as I, as, I, as I was listening to Richard interpreting Andy, it made me think, man, it made me think of the verse that, that Jesus says, my sheep listen and obey my voice. Which begged me to ask myself the question, which, mo- which voice am I more familiar with? The voice of peace, or the voice of the world, the voice of reasoning? And I had to be real, recently it's definitely been the voice of reasoning. For myself, it's been the media, the election, all this stuff going on in America, we're gonna lose our, our, our comfortable living if such and such happens, there's still this fear and anxiety and stress and frustration inside of us, now we're living in this. And, and God enlightened that in me and said, man, you gotta, like everything's gonna be okay. Which voice are we more familiar with? If it's not the voice of peace, it's okay. God says, don't worry about it. It's, it's there. You just gotta turn, we just got to turn our ears to it. So we're going to be uh, reading out of a story from Mark 4. It's about Jesus calming the storm. It's a great story. And I, and I really believe that it's, it's very foundational to this idea of peace, to this, to this concept, to this idea of peace. And I think it's a very practical picture into what peace looks like in our lives, although it's not perfect and it's, it's, it's a good example that, or it's a good example that we can learn from. 
So Mark 4, 35 through 41 in the New King James Version. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Oh, that's nice, Jesus. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the, the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Oh, it's not done, is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can laugh at me, it's okay, I promise. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hmm. So there's a situation. They're going across in a the boat. They're on a boat. They go. Wind, storm, fear. Jesus is sleeping. Disciples are freaking out. They go get Jesus. Jesus walks out, says, shazam, and everything's fixed. <laughs> he says, peace be still. And, I, and these guys are like, whoa. And think about it. They just came from like seeing that the, the 5,000, the, the loaves and the fish, they just came from seeing that. And then they saw this. These guys are like, what did we get ourselves into? What did we get ourselves into? So I believe there's three components. There's three areas in the story that we can connect it to peace in, in, our, in our lives practically. The first point that I want to start on is, is in the beginning of this passage. It's the point, and I labeled it, start from the end. So we want to start from the end. So when I, was, I went to school to be a teacher in, a, in, our, in the process of learning how to write lesson plans and learning how to prepare, learning how to write these things and, and, and teach these kids, our professors taught us this concept of starting from the end. So what that means is you take your idea, what do you want the kids to learn? What's the one thing that they need to be able to do at the end of your lesson or at the end of your unit? So you have that thing. And then you go and take that one idea, that thing they need to be able to do, and you start from there. You start from the end. So in the spirit of college football, Michigan versus Michigan State, and the conflict and the lack of peace that there is between Michigan and Michigan State fans. We got any uh, Wolverines here? Wolverines. Man, you guys are louder We're talking about the Wolverines than you are. I'm, I'm just messing with you. Sparty's here? I think, wow. Any, any people who don't give a rip? Wow. I'm gonna just throw this analogy out then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, it, it can apply. So. Uh, last year, you know, Michigan's on the rise. They used to be terrible for a long time. You know, they're getting better. And there was a game that was pretty important. I don't remember which game it was. And I watched every game. And when I watch a game, Abby can attest to this. She'll be probably saying, yep, that's true. I can get pretty anxious. I can get pretty frustrated, pretty angry, pretty stressed out. Any guys or girls here can relate to that? Yeah, I see you, Tony. Yeah, you got it. Yep. So, 
I can get pretty, not a lot of peace when I'm watching a football game. Like there's no peace. But then last, last year, there was a game, it was important, I couldn't watch it. Maybe we're at a wedding or something, I don't know. I couldn't watch it, so I recorded it. So I planned on going back and I told all my friends and everyone, I said, do not tell me what happens. I wanna watch the game. And I wanna watch it without knowing the end. So I can get mad and angry and passionate and emotional about it. Come to find out, my brother texts me, he goes, ah, go blue, and I'm like, Great, I know the end. So as the diehard Michigan fan that I am, I went back and watched the game though. And during, while I was watching it, it was the most peaceful I'd ever been watching a Michigan football game. It's because I knew the end. So when you start from the end, peace. When I see the interception, it's not like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose. And I see the missed field goal, I'm like, oh, great, look at this. And I see the, I see the defense, and I'm like, oh, we're going to lose. National championship, it's gone. You know, I knew the end. Peaceful. Maybe I should start doing that more often. That takes the fun out of it, though. Mark 4, 35. This is that story. Jesus calmed the sea. Listen to the beginning. This is the first, the first uh, verse in, in this story. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. You see, he told the disciples the end before they went over. Because when Jesus says something, it's gonna happen. He said, let us go over to the other side. He was hoping the disciples would take what he said and believe it in faith. He said, let us go to the other side. What else did Jesus, he said, he said some things like, yeah, I'm going to die and, and be raised in three days. He said, he said things that were so incredibly outrageous, but they all came to pass. When Jesus says something, it happens. So he told them, that the, told them the ending. He told them the final result, and he was hoping that they would live in faith from that point, but they didn't. John 16, this is how it relates to us. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. You may have peace. I was reading, I was reading some articles about inner peace. Inner peace. And it showed like 10 steps, and then this other article showed like five steps, and this one showed like seven steps, and this one showed like 20 steps. How do you find inner peace? And I'm here to tell you there's a one-step process in the kingdom of God. It's this. Go to Jesus. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. This is what Jesus said. I have overcome the world. We know the ending. We know the ending. That's why God's not up in heaven pulling his hair out. It's because he's like, I know what's gonna happen. I know what's gonna happen. He says, I've overcome the world. He says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says that you, ha you have won the victory, or I have won the victory. He says, you will have a relationship with me for the rest of your lives if you believe in Jesus. That's the end, period, no arguments, done. We know the ending. 
It's unbelievable how much he's purchased for us. It's unbelievable how much is already finished. That's why when he hung on the cross and he was breathing his last breath, he said, it is finished. He said, I've done it, guys. It's done. You don't have to worry. You still have a part to play in your everyday lives, but it's, it's, the victory's already won. You don't have to fight for peace. You don't have to fight for it. It's already won. It's already purchased. You don't have to fight for your, for your joy. You don't have to fight for all these things. He said, it's already purchased. All you have to do is connect with me, and you can, you can live in them. And you can partake in my characteristics and my nature every day and be a representative of me wherever you go. That's what he's inviting us into. It's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing privilege. So how does this relate to peace, though? How does this... It's now versus the eternal. It's, it's the perspective, it's the lens in which we see the now in comparison to its relationship to the eternal. So if we understand the end, we can, we can appropriately determine the value or the importance of these situations in the now. You follow me? So we always have to keep the eternal perspective, the end, the finish line, the victory in mind. Second point in the story of Jesus in the storm is, is peace in the storm. Peace in the storm or peace through the storm. Mark 4, 37 through 38. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow can you imagine just Jesus sleeping on a pillow? You can do that, I guess, or not. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious to me, how applicable it is to our lives. And, and I never caught it before, but I caught it. And I caught it as I was preparing for this. And, I, and God showed it to me. And it was comical. So think about this. The disciples are in panic mode. They're in panic mode. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Everything's going bad. You have the, you have the sails, you have, you have water filling up. I mean, it's like panic mode. And it's not like a storm in our lives where we're having some tough times. It's like, no, this is life or death in their mind. And they're experienced fishermen, so they know the severity of the situation that they're in. A lot of those guys were fishermen. They, they're, they're familiar with the seas. And so the situation was severe. It was serious. And they understood it. And I can imagine that, that these guys are going down and they're sinking. And they're freaking out and they're panicking. They're taking buckets and they're, they're, throwing, they're throwing them out. They're, they're trying to get the water out. They're, they're taking... They're... And then they go down to Jesus. And I can imagine they're, they're, they're doing all this and all of a sudden they're like... Hey, you guys, where's Jesus at? And then maybe Peter's like, oh, where's he at? And they go down, and they, they open up. Je Jesus is sleeping. Where were you? Where were you, God? Where were you, God, when all this stuff was happening? Where were you, God, when all this crap was happening in my life? I called to you. Where were you? I tried to find peace. I tried to find peace. I was pulling the water and trying to get the water out of the boat. I was fixing the sails. I was doing all that I could, God. Where were you? And Jesus said, look at the end. He said, the reason, 
The reason why he, he seemed distant is because he's given you the authority to take peace into your own hands. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I relate to this. God, where are you? God, if you love me, God, God, where were you when this happened? And all the while, Jesus says to us in a promise, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus was sleeping through the storm. He was sleeping through the storm, the same storm that the disciples thought they were gonna die in. How many of you know that two different people can go through the same situation and there can be two totally different effects? Two people can see the same picture and see two totally different images based on your perspective. The disciples lived through their past experiences. Jesus lived through what he said. He said, we're going to make it to the other side. We're going to make it to the other side. And Jesus, I said, Jesus is not stressed out about your problems. Your problems, our problems, my problems are not too big for Jesus. They're not too big for God. They're not too big. They're not, they're not making him worry. <laughs> they're not. I'm, that's the truth. He cares deeply about our problems. He cares deeply about our well-being. He cares deeply about us. But more than that, he says, I purchased. it's finished, guys. Like, it's finished. You can have the peace. But you have to get your perspective off of the problem in front of you and get your perspective on me and the eternal perspective. It has to be focused on that. John 16, 33. I read this first, but I'm going to go do it again. It applies still. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This is the part I'm focusing on. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise from God. <laughs> It's not one of the promises we like to focus on too much, but it's a promise of God. He says, you will have trouble. You will be persecuted. You will have hard times. But he says, but take heart. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Take heart. Move your perspective off of your trouble and place it on me. Move your perspective off of trying to get peace in a situation and focus on the Prince of Peace. Don't do the 10 steps to get peace. Don't do the 20 steps to get peace. Focus on the Prince of Peace. Because peace is a characteristic of God. You cannot get it unless you abide in him. We cannot get it. I cannot get it unless I abide in him. Because he's a pretty peaceful guy. He's, pretty, he's very peaceful. He's very joyful. He's very loving. He's all of the characteristics, all the fruits at the same time. So where, I, I, I was asking myself the question, where does this anxiety practically, where does this anxiety come from? Where does this idea of fear, how does that practically play out in our lives? Because sometimes we don't know what causes it, but it's nice to know where it, it comes from. And what, what I want to illustrate to you is this idea of the value that you place on something, that we place on our temporal things. So play with me for a second. So I, I, I drive a 12-year-old 
2004 Grand Prix, not a, not a very nice car. It's pretty dependable. It's got cracks, got bumps, got dirty. Don't clean it out very much because I'm a guy. So the value of it is like down here. And so my fear and my anxiety when uh, there's a dent or a scratch or it's dirty, I'm not really that stressed out about it. I'm really not. Because the, val the value is down here. My wife, we lease her car, so it's a 2016 car, a little more valuable. So when it has a, scr when it has a scratch, when it has a dent, when it's dirty, it's like, well, we better go take that to car wash. When we're parking, you know, there's like the yellow lines. We park right on that yellow line because we don't want anyone parking left or right because they swing the door, they're going to hit our car. Not happening. A little more, little more fear. A little more anxiety because the value's higher. So we look at, okay, that's, let's look at money. So if, you, if we have a high value on money, even if you're, you don't have a lot of money or if you have a lot of money, it doesn't matter. It's about the value that you place on it. If your value on money is here when you don't have a lot or, you're, or that your money's coming and going, not a lot of anxiety because it's not of high value. If, if money is up here and you're, and you're struggling, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration because the value that you place on something determines the amount of anxiety it can cause you. The, the value that we place on things determines the amount of anxiety that can cause us. And so when we think about this idea of the kingdom of God and Christianity and Jesus, the goal is for us to have nothing of higher value than God in the kingdom of God. Because if God in the kingdom of God is of the utmost importance if it's the thing that we value the most, if it's the thing that we just go after, the thing, the thing, the main, the main thing, the thing that we'll fear is God. That's the thing that we'll fear. And when we fear God, it brings peace because we understand the importance of the eternal perspective. So in my life, when I, when I start feeling anxiety, when I start feeling fear, when I start feeling those things, I have to do a self-check and say, God, okay, what's, 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 Where's the wrong order? What do I need to switch around? Is it money? Okay, I'll switch around money. Is it car? Is it Michigan football? Where's it at, God? Because I gotta move it because nothing can be more important than you. Because if it's more important than you, then I will not have peace in that situation. I will not. It's impossible. Impossible to have peace in a situation or in an area of your life, in an area of our lives, where it's more valuable than our relationship with God. So this idea of peace, peace. So I think anxiety is like kind of like the opposite of peace. Frustration or panic is the opposite of peace. And we talked about in the beginning, it, peace produces a, a perspective that allows us to act on our situations. So pe the peace of God is our prescription. So it dials in our clarity to heaven's reality. The peace of God is our prescription to heaven's reality. It is the ability to see the end and properly designate the importance or the significance of the now versus the eternal. 
Peace provides us the ability to see circumstances for what they truly are, because we do not battle against flesh and blood. We do not battle against the powers of this world. We battle against the powers and the principalities, principalities of the darkness. When we are battling things, we have to be able to see what we're battling, and that's only through an eternal perspective. It's through the peace of God that we can clearly and clearly identify what we're, what we're dealing with. So when, we, so when we encounter situations that would cause us to be anxious, when we encounter problems, it's important how we view these problems. Because problems are not problems in the kingdom of God. Problems are opportunities for God to come through on his promises. And the peace of God allows us to team up with God in making his promises come true in earth, on the earth. So opposition is an opportunity for acceleration. Opposition is an opportunity for an upgrade into the kingdom of God. Because how many of you know, when you're comfortable, you cannot grow. When you're comfortable, you cannot, we cannot grow without being uncomfortable. Because when we have opposition, when we have tough situations, when we have enemies, when we have these frustrating circumstances, we need to view them as opportunities to have an upgrade in the kingdom of God. Because that's exactly what we are. Because we get to team up with God to make his characteristics come and be on the earth. When we encounter um, frustrating situations or, or anxiety-filled situations or anxiety-filled environments, we get to team up with God and bring peace on earth. Express the characteristics of God on earth. Philippians 4, 6 or 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This verse tells me something here. God is more concerned in how we deal with problems than for him to answer our problems or resolve our problems. It says, go, go over it again, do not be anxious about anything, which tells me that we're gonna have situations that are gonna cause us to be anxious or tempt us to be anxious. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God so God wants us to bring things to him but this is what's gonna happen. But the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He does not wanna just give us answered prayers. He wants to give us a whole new operating system in which to view our oppositions. A whole new operating system to where we see things differently than we did before. So the third point in the story of, of this these disciples and Jesus is the voice of peace. So what are the voices that, that might have been on that boat? The disciples might have been freaking out. They might have heard the winds. They might have heard the waves. They might have heard all these things. They might have heard their, their memories coming back about the last time they were in a boat in a storm and said, wow, wow, we might die. Wow, we might die. What are the voices that we're hearing? What are these voices? Are they voices of peace or voices of reasoning? What were the voices they were hearing? Mark 4, 39 through 40. So Jesus, <laughs> then he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased 
where there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Man, Jesus was like direct. How is it that you have no faith? You saw me turn the, the five loaves and two fish to thousands. How do you have no faith? You heard me say in the beginning, we're going to the other side. We're going. Why did you let your situation speak louder than my promise? Why did you let your problems speak louder than my, my promise? Why did you let your fear and anxiety get in the way of what I was trying to teach you? Why do you have such little faith? And the disciples are like, man, we totally forgot that you even said that. We didn't even remember that. We didn't even remember that. God is trying to show us, there's two aspects to this piece of God that God is trying to show us, two different angles that we're, that we're looking at here. The first one is peace with God. And the second one is peace of God. And I'm gonna go through these quickly. There's a difference. I relate them to mercy and grace. So mercy and grace often get confused, but they're a little bit different. Quick analogy that kind of clears it up. So if you're, if you're speeding and you get pulled over by a cop and you're gonna get a ticket and he comes up and, and, and the guys are like trying to act tough. And then he comes back and he, he, he rolled on the window. He's like, yes, officer. And he's like, do you know how fast you're going? You're like, no, man, I don't know how fast I was going. That's why you pull, why do you have to ask me that? So you keep going and he's like, okay, get your license registration. He goes and he comes back and he says, hey, I'm gonna let you off. You're like, that's mercy. But he says, hold on, man. I'm gonna be right back. I'm gonna be right back. So you're like, oh man, maybe he's not gonna let me out. So he comes back, he, says, he hands you an envelope and he hands it to you and he says, okay, man, have a blessed day. And he leaves. And you open the envelope and there's $1,000 in it. You're like, what? That's grace. It's something you didn't deserve. Mercy is getting let off. Grace is him giving you so much more. And that's peace with God and peace of God. Peace with God is Romans 5.1. So now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. God is happy with us. He's delighted in us. He's paid the price. When he sees us, he sees Jesus. When he sees us, he's happy. When he sees us, he's like, that's my boy, that's my girl. That's what he sees when he sees us. He's so delighted. He has so much peace with us when we accept Christ peace with God. Before, we were enemies of God. We were going against him. We were advocates for the kingdom of darkness. Peace of God. This is grace. Second, Second Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with all of you. So God not only said, I'm going to make peace between us. He says, now I'm going to give you my peace. That's grace. He says, I'm gonna give it all to you, all that peace. I'm just gonna shower you with my peace. Here's, here's how I'm gonna end though. If we want peace with our circumstances, we have to have peace in our circumstances. I'll say it again. If we want peace with external, that's like relationships, that's like situations, that's like work, that's like, if we want peace with our circumstances, we have to have peace in our circumstances. Here's the deal. The disciples were in panic mode. They were so, they were fearful. They were in panic mode. And since they were in panic mode, they had no power over the winds and the waves. Jesus was sleeping in peace through the storm and he stood up and he said, peace be still. You will never, we cannot have authority 
over the storms in our life that we're not able to sleep through. We will never have authority over the situations in which we cannot have peace in. If we're in panic mode, we have no power. But if we have peace and we can see God's perspective, we can have power over the situation because we're going to see what he's seeing. We're going to listen to what he's listening to. Also, we have peace over the situation because we have the end in mind. We know that we win anyways. So no matter what happens in this situation, I know that I'm going to win. So I'm not going to worry about what's going on now when I know what my future is. And when we start living this way, we start living with power. We start living a life that is so attractive to the world because it's so different than what they're living in. They're living in regret. They're living in a a world that is so hopeless. And we can live and be people of peace and people of hope to the world. And they look at us and they say, man, there's something different about you. And you say, you don't even know what I'm going through right now because you can't even tell. Because I have a peace that passes all understanding. And they say, I don't even understand it. And you say, neither do I. Because I gave up my right to understand. I don't even want to understand anymore. Understanding's for the world. Just give me God and all that he has and give me that peace. I don't care if I, I don't even have to explain it. I don't even have to teach about it. I'll just live in it because that is the kingdom of God and that's what's available for us. So peace is a prerequisite to power in the kingdom of God. You have to be able to sleep through the problem. You have to be able to walk through the problem. We have to be able to be a people who can go through hell and come out shining like the light. I'm gonna end with this. It's a quote from a man named Graham Cook. To be confident in who God is for you when you feel overwhelmed by odds against you, that's peace. I'll say it again. To be confident in who God is for you when you feel overwhelmed by odds against you, that's peace. So this is how I want to end. It's just going to be maybe, if Jared, if you're here, if you could come up. Um, just two minutes recently, I had, you know, I had mentioned to you, I was in worry mode. I was in panic mode and I had to repent of that. And I had to check my, check my emotions, check my, my, my thought process. So pastor Dwayne teaches that, you know, meditation is just worry in reverse. So if we are worrying, we actually know how to meditate because we just meditate. We just think about the positive aspects of our lives. So I'm going to throw up, um, John 16, 33, And if you have your Bibles and if you have your phones, if you want to look at it there, you can. What I want to do is just give us an opportunity just to meditate on this this passage, to to really think about it, to really just, just look at it. What does it mean, that last part, that I have overcome the world? Which voices have we been listening to? Have we been listening to the voice of reason, the voice of fear, the voice of anxiety? Are we listening to the voice of peace? And I want us to be able to just, just think about this verse and just read it for maybe like a minute as, as Jared plays here and just read it and, and ask God to teach you what you need to hear right now in this moment. I'm going to do the same thing. So just, just read it for like one minute. Thank you.
God, I thank you for the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. We put our attention on that right now and we say thank you, God, for the peace that you've allowed us to, to live in. And I just declare peace over every single person in this room. I declare peace over every single situation. And I declare a new perspective to live from on every single person in this room, that we live from a place of peace. We live from a place of eternal perspective. We are a people. We are a group of people who follow Christ and who cherish him and who know the end. And we declare that we know that we have victory. We know the end of the story. So we say, thank you, God. We live in that place. We live from the end. We have the victory and we thank you for that. And if you're here and you've never declared Jesus Lord of your life, if you're here and you've never said, you know what, I wanna give my life to God. I wanna, I wanna be all in. I don't wanna live another day without Jesus. I don't wanna live another day without hope. If I don't wanna live another day feeling lost, Tonight, God wants to adopt you into his family and give you a brand new purpose in life, to give you a new reason for being, to live for the kingdom of God. If that's you and you've never asked God, you've never said, God, I want you. You've never said, God, I dedicate my life to you. You've never said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I believe in you, but I really want to. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. I'm just going to pray out. God, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for, for life that is in the word of God. I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you, God, that we are loved by you. I thank you that we have peace in any situation. I thank you that you've granted that to us. And we love you. In Jesus' name.